Welcome to the DudeCast, the official podcast of Deuteronomy, where we seek to resurrect biblical masculinity. As always, I am your host, Corey, and with me tonight, I have my good, dear friend, Philip. Philip, you doing all right, buddy? Doing fantastic. How about yourself, my good friend? I'm doing good. Uh, Very busy, uh, which is also the occasion of our recording. Um, Many of you guys who listen to this have already probably seen this post on our page, um, but Philip and I, because of our increasingly busy lives, um, are going to be taking an indefinite hiatus from recording. Um, this isn't goodbye. This is see you in a while because we're still going to keep the RSS feed up and all that stuff. Um, that way, you know, you can still listen to old episodes. And if Philip and I ever want to jump on, like something comes up, we can still record um, and just kind of do special episodes here and there. But we're I mean, obviously our recording schedule, like if you guys listen every, every week, you know, our recording schedule has slowed down a ton. Um, we had, mm-hmm. a, you know, been on a very good you know, schedule and that's both of our parts, but I'll admit a lot of it is, is, is on my part. Uh, I had the conversation, this conversation with Philip a few weeks ago, but um, right now in my life, I am a father of one child. Um, I am basically filling in the role of a, a worship pastor at my church and a student pastor. And we're even in the process of our church um, kind of changing the inner government of the church itself to where, you know, we're, we're moving to like a church council and stuff like that. It's just wild. Um, so that's very busy. And also I've mentioned on here that I started a new career. Um, I can't mention, uh, I can't say exactly what, what I do because I started a career in law enforcement. All right. It's, it's, it's in a realm of law enforcement. And I know that somebody could get on here and be like, Oh, well, he has this very biblical Christian opinion. He's not fit to do this job or whatever. Um, so because of my increasing roles in my church, me, I want to be a good father and a husband and the career that God's kind of placed me in that I really, really love. And he's, I'm actually able to do quite a bit of ministry in that. Um, I just don't have time to record as often right now. Um, Philip and I, we've talked about it. We're going to try to come back in the spring. We're going to kind of reevaluate our time and schedule in the spring. So maybe we can get back early next year to recording consistently. Um, but we're just going to kind of put the podcast on an indefinite hiatus until then. Um, and maybe jump in every now and then if something special comes up, like, uh, I don't know if, you know, if, if Hawaii decides to like revolt against the U S that's something I want to get on here and talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would too. I'd be more uh, Canada or not Canada. Wow, already not a part of the US. <laughs> Texas. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking Canada. Texas, I could see that happening with. But then again, that also wouldn't heat. be news. I think it's a dead yeah. heat between Texas and California for two very mm-hmm. different reasons. I was going to say totally different reasons. <laughs> um. But that's kind of that's my side of it. That's my reason for not having as much time. New career multiple roles in my church. I want to be a present father and a present husband because my family is my first and primary ministry. Um, but Philip, you know, tell everybody like, cause you're just equally as busy. Um, yeah. Give you that chance to. Uh, well, like same as Corey, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a dad. I have a six year old daughter. Um, I have a wife. So I've, I've been very you know busy with, you know, that aspect of family uh, I may currently serve as a full-time uh, pastor 
I am a family pastor of a church in Kentucky, and um, <laughs> I am also currently a finishing up my master's degree, um, and I will be transitioning uh, either into uh, doctoral work or uh, another master's degree in biblical exposition uh, within the next, um, I don't know, three to four months. Uh, I'll finish up this current degree that I'm in the first eight weeks of January. And after that, I will be starting my next degree, whether that be a doctor or a doctorate or another master's degree. I'll be finishing that. I'll be starting that the second eight week term of the year. So uh, that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and also, it, if we're being like totally honest about it, you know, uh, I've just kind of spread myself so thin between uh, doing everything with dude, uh, doing everything with my church. You know, we're uh, really working to get the family ministry up because uh, mm -hmm. the way that uh, my, my church has been, I'm the first ever, you know, family pastor this church has ever had. So the first like year, I, I've been there just over a year and the first year we really spent focusing on building back up the youth group. Mm -hmm. And now we're working on building uh, a family ministry. So my focus is, is kind of really headlong into that. And um, I kind of felt like I was slipping in some areas with my devotion. I just, I was being, you know, spread too thin. And quite honestly, my first ministry is to my church or my family. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a husband first, a father second, and a pastor third. And Deuteronomy is just not high enough on the list for me to neglect other things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when Corey's, I, I'd already felt like kind of thin anyway. And then when you said, you know, that you were, you, you wanted to take a break from the podcast. Uh, there, there was like a little bit of part of me, like part of me was kind of sad, but at the same time, it was kind of like, Oh, thank goodness. Like that's <laughs> yeah. something I can, I can, I can, I can breathe a little bit. Yeah. So uh, like, we'll, we'll still be making memes. I am way too sarcastic and, and way too, uh, I rant a lot. So this is kind of like my outlet of, you know, frustration with what I see. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to say you have to have an outlet. Otherwise, you would yeah. literally explode. Well, metaphorically, my explode, wife, maybe literally. My wife, my wife would kill me. Like if I don't have an outlet to, <laughs> to let go of some of the stuff that I see, my wife would. That's the whole reason why we've made it this long is because I have an outlet of just all my frustrations and anger mm -hmm. with like, you know, politics and you know, heretics. Yeah. It, this is this is this is my therapy. I yeah. just just get on here and rant against heresy and yeah. And, and I'm still a part of Deuteronomy too. Um, like mm -hmm. I know, like the podcast is kind of what brought me to Deuteronomy. It's it's my main mm -hmm. thing. Um, but like I, I'm still like I'm still in the group with the guys. Um, I, I kind of every now and then I'll submit a meme when I'm feeling saucy. Sometimes I'll admit sometimes my memes are a little too mean. Um, and Phil is very wise and not posting them because I, I like I'll see something that makes me really angry and then I'll make a meme out of it and in the moment I'll mm -hmm. chuckle but then a couple of days later I'll look back at it and be like how come Phil didn't post that one and I'll look at it again and I'll be like oh yeah because I was mad and that was really neat. <laughs> insert group of people here um, so but but no I, I'll still work with them and, and some of my stuff might show up every now and then um but so, yeah, this was, I can't remember what was it, two or three weeks ago, I kind of reached mm -hmm. out to you and kind of told you how I felt. Um, and just to be mm -hmm. perfectly honest, I was even kind of second guessing that be like, man, am I really busy? Or am I doing that thing that adults do where they pretend they're busy because, you know, they want to be a little lazy. And then mm -hmm. uh, last week, 
um, my mother, uh, like the, the, in, in her home, she needs some, like a few little repairs done to it before like winter mm-hmm. gets here, um, before it gets cold and stuff. Cause it'll make her like, you know, heating bill ridiculous. And she mm-hmm. asked if I could come over cause she lives like a little ways away from me. Um, she asked if I could come over some weekend and, do that for like, you know, and kind of make those repairs. And I said, yeah, I was like, let me look at my calendar because I'm ridiculous. And I realized she asked me this at the beginning of October. And I realized I couldn't get to her till sometime in November because I have something every single like weekend. Mm -hmm. And then my my work week is like extremely busy. And so that's, that kind Mm -hmm. of affirmed to me, like, yeah, I'm stretched very thin. And it's the same way. I, I realized I was stretched very thin and I had to find somewhere to make a cut. And unfortunately, you know, it it was the podcast because I still want to be a ministry to my church, be able to minister to my church. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to minister to my family. That's just the way it is. But Mm -hmm. yeah, we're not gone. Um, You know, we're still going to hang around. You still, you still might hear from us every now and then. Um, But the, the week to week thing will be on a hiatus at least until the spring. And then we'll kind of reevaluate then and maybe give an update. Um, I assume just knowing me and Phil every couple months, something will probably come up or we'll sit down for an hour and talk about it and we might as well record yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, um, tonight we're going to do uh, a final mailbag um, going on our hiatus. And I've already looked at our Facebook. We've got some really good questions I'm looking forward to answering. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, Philip, you have a story for me. You, you wanted to share about our lovely government here in the States. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so just a few minutes ago, I said that I need an outlet to kind of rant against the stupidity of the things that I see. This is a perfect example. (laughs) So, uh, okay, so as uh, you know, as anyone that has scrolled through social media, anyone that has even remotely looked at the news has seen that we are facing a pretty interesting financial difficult situation a financial problem we are facing america owes a lot of money to a lot of people (laughs) yeah yeah which which blows my mind like it's so okay my daughter and i were talking the other day and she's like mind you she's six so she was like uh hey daddy uh how much is a billion i'm like oh well a billion is a lot and she's like well no how much is a billion i was like well a billion is 1,000 millions. And she's like, oh my goodness, that's a whole lot of millions. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, so how much is a trillion? And I was like, a trillion is 1,000 billions or 1 million millions. And she's like, oh my goodness. And I was like, yeah. And that put it in perspective, like the fact that our government owes $32 trillion of debt. That's a whole lot of, that's a whole lot of billions. Mm-hmm. And it terrified me. Thirty-two thousand okay. billions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, just kind of like Please make don't up check my math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't check our math. I, I'm terrible at math. That's, I always joke around like that's why I went to Bible college and not math college. So, anyways, back to the whole debt thing. Math college. Anyone? <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm not good with words either. Uh, well, Sean can attest to that. He's my editor. So. Like I said, anyone that's been following the news here lately has has known that we are facing a pretty interesting financial crisis. Uh, America is on the brink of defaulting on its loans for the first time ever. And our wonderful lawmakers, uh, one by the name of Gerald Nadler, 
has decided to propose probably the most ridiculous way to deal with this debt crisis ever. And the scary thing about, before I even say this, the scary thing about this is, is that uh, Representative Nadler, who is a Democrat from New York, he was the Secretary of the Treasury. No, I'm sorry. He was over the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, which is a very important aspect of you know America's financial policies. I'm going to admit uh, that America's- I don't fully understand the Federal Reserve. Like I know it's a thing, but <laughs> no, one does. no one. I don't even think that the you know the director of the Federal Reserve like. I don't think oh, they know. I also don't understand if we owe 32 trillion, how we have anything reserve. <laughs> like we've yeah, yeah. our reserves out. Mm-hmm. So this guy, his idea was, Hey, why don't we just make more money? And anyone that has ever needed money, they're like, Oh, that's a genius idea. Let's go make more money. This brilliant individual who is a lawmaker for our country decided that when he said, let's make more money, he did not mean let's bring in new revenue. His idea was let's literally make new money. And that means that the United States Mint has platinum blanks. And his idea was let's just mint a $1 trillion coin, hop in a helicopter, fly that to the bank and deposit it into our account. His idea was to literally make a coin. Mm-hmm. And deposit it into the bank like it's a freaking Mario game. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a broke crackhead's solution to like bankruptcy. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's like we'll, we'll print money and then deposit the money and then we're not anyway. Um, you know, you know. The more I think about this, like my daughter has come up with things like that before because she'd be like, "Let's go get ice cream." We really can't afford it, kiddo. Just make money. Like, mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Well, there's and she, one time she even said, why don't you just take the money you do have and make copies of it? First of all, that's counterfeiting. The Secret Service will show up in my house. Second of all, it's not how that works. My daughter, is, who's six, mind you, is on the same level as our lawmakers in this country who said, let's just make a coin. Let's invent a trillion-dollar coin and deposit that into the bank. To solve all of our debt crisis, and here's why. A, okay, why a coin? Because you lose. It's the easiest thing to lose. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like literally the easiest thing to lose. And listen, mm-hmm. I am Philip. You've been to my home. You've known me for years. I'm not exactly rolling in it. Like I, mm-hmm. I pay my bills, and then I can occasionally go out to eat. Like that's basically like <laughs> I'm not a rich yeah. man by any stretch of the imagination. But every now and then, like I'll be. Uh, getting in my vehicle, like if, like if I go into a convenience store or a gas station or something like that, I pay with cash and I get the change back. I'll put the I'll put said change in my pocket. I'll be getting up into my Jeep and I and as I do that, a coin will fall out and I'll just look down and be like, no, it's it's too it's <laughs> it, it's at home where it's yeah. at. Can you imagine being the douche that loses the t- trillion dollar coin? You know, apparently, well, I could, I could be that because they would probably have the same attitude that you did because they can just make another one. <laughs> yeah. So, yay, government. That's a great idea. You know, it. it I've always been kind of the guy that's like that weird guy that was like, you know, hey, the government's doing this thing. You may want to get some canned goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I throw this up to my wife's face all the time, like when Corona happened. In January, I was like, there's a virus in China. We may want to start looking and getting some stuff. 
And she's like, no, you're an idiot. And then we got locked down for a year and a half. So every single chance I can, I bring that up and just kind of rub it in her face. Mm-hmm. That's like the one thing I have going for me. And I've, so I've always kind of been like that guy that's kind of like, the government does stupid things. We should probably prepare for them being morons. And everyone looks at me and they're like, oh, Prepper Phil's just being an idiot. And then <laughs> this guy was like, hey, I know how we can solve this debt problem. Let's invent a coin and make it. Just one coin. Just deposit it into the bank. And the thing is, people look at that and they're like, hmm, that makes sense. And no one thinks like, or a way we can solve the debt problem. Don't spend so much. <laughs> so uh, that's wild. Sorry for the rant. No, no, no. I, I've got another one that might trigger you a little bit. So I'm looking forward yeah. to this. Um, Probably. So I, I've got a, a group chat. It's friends of mine that, you know, we've served in ministry together. Actually, one of the guys is my pastor now, but we've served at ministry together in the past. And so we'll we'll talk to each other through that, like use it as encouragement. Like what we honestly hope the gentleman par, gentleman's parlor would be, it's kind of turned into a a debate forum right now, but um, everything on social media is exactly. Um, But my pastor sent me this thing and I, I, Philip, I want to share this with you. Um, I could just send it to you, but I'd rather read it to you because one, I think it's decent content. (laughs) Um, It's a Facebook ad for a church looking for a, a lead pastor. Oh my um, and the, the, it's so they've got the typical paragraph in the bottom. They've got a little image and the image is real nice. Um, but the image background is that, you know, like that super like stock church, like big mm-hmm. church, uh, show church gathering thing where it's, it's a bunch yeah. of people. It's dark. There's like a, a floodlight coming up and there's just hands up in the air, which basically, mm-hmm. you know, they're communicating like, look, this is, this is how, you know, this is how awesome we are. We're, you know, this, we worship. Um, and it looks like a, uh, Metallica concert. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, getting in a little bit of my personal, uh, doctrine right here. Um, but it, this is, it says accepting applications, lead pastor at, Church of the Holy, and then one word, Spirit Song, both S's capital. Church of the Holy Spirit Song. So we've been translating Holy Spirit out of the Greek wrong the whole time. Good to know. Um, and this is from, and this is from. Um, I'm going to shame them. It's it's Wilton Manors, Florida. Um, and I don't care to say the name of the town and the church because uh, I'm getting ready to harp on them pretty bad. But here is how the the the, the job or the, the request reads. Church of the Holy Spirit Song is an independent, non-denominational, Christ-centered, LGBT plus affirming church. Our mission is to ignite the word world for Christ one life at a time. We are a high energy group of Christians who come together to worship God as a family and thank his son, Jesus Christ, for coming into our lives and changing us from within, except for the whole changing part because they affirm you know, stuff that's not biblical. Um, this position is responsible for shaping the vision and direction of the church, preaching and teaching on biblical principles, and providing pastoral counseling and spiritual guidance for the congregation that's funny um, for a few reasons. Um, and for more information to submit an application, go to this uh, hyperlink. Uh, so I know there's a lot you're going to talk about in that, but here's here's the best part. Um, this is a f- sponsored Facebook ad. Send me the link. <laughs> I don't have the link. Um, I can send you a, 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 a picture of it. But actually, I, I told my pastor, I said, please apply. Um, but... Th- that's the most ridiculous part to me. It's, it's a Facebook link, but they're actually saying like, "Hmm, we need, uh, we need a pastor to lead lead our congregation doctrine." Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of deal with that later. But we're going to reach out to Facebook. Philip, 
share your thoughts, please. I can't. <laughs> Alex won't be happy if I do. This this is this is Phil Dozer content. This will be have to be the stuff that I wait for after Memorial Day. Yeah. Okay, so Church of the Holy Spirit song is an independent, non-denominational, Christ-centered, LGBTQ-affirming, oh, sorry, LGBT+, plus. what about the Qs? Way to be bigoted. Uh, affirming church. <laughs> so they are Christ-centered, but also gay-affirming. Pick one. Just pick one. That, that you can't. You can't do that. That's like, that's... This is like when people put like they get a salad because they want to be healthy and then they freaking load it up with like fried chicken and just like a gallon of ranch. You're not being healthy. You you're given the appearance of being healthy, but yet you're just as fat as usual. This is that like, this is what happens when people get like a Zaxby salad. That's like 1400 calories because they were watching what they eat. This that's what it is. Uh, our mission is to ignite the world for Christ one life at a time. <sighs> teaching biblical principles but they're gay affirming that's it's 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 more than the, the homosexuality too. like there's a lot in the lgbt yeah, yeah and again this is not a thing like oh because this could this could be clipped and people be like oh you guys are bigots you guys are hateful like we're not this is not a hate thing we're not hating on them um they're it's not any less human being but it's, it's inconsistent biblically unless yeah. you take scripture and say well this doesn't mean that and this really means that and you, you have to change and modify scripture for that mm-hmm. to fit within it that's that's just the truth yeah. of it um and, and yeah. the, the sad thing yeah i, I read that because it's, it's kind of funny and ridiculous in the name of the church is ridiculous spirits <laughs> yeah. spirit song spirit song it's one they made it one word the holy spirit is a person he's not a tune it's not like, you know, it's not like father, son in the opening riff to Sweet Home Alabama. He's a person. <laughs> that might be the dumbest thing I've ever said on here. But like, he's, yeah, he's, but was... he's a person. Um, so I, just, I wanted to get your just reaction from that because I thought you might ha- have a thought. I, I'll let your brain cook on that later, though. But all right, so let's get into the meat of what we're going to talk about tonight. We're doing a last, very last mailbag thing for a little while. Um, and we've got a few questions from uh, the good old Facebook that we're going to answer. Um, the first one, which I think is very good, is why is uh, uh, that was that was asked by uh, <laughs> the reformed couple. Um, why is let me see uh, <clears throat> indigo? I don't know. <laughs> um, real question. <laughs> indigo. Uh, why not? <clears throat> exactly. Uh, another question. Um, August asked us this. Uh, what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? Somebody already answered that in the comments, 42. So thank you, mm-hmm. August, your question. You know, hold on. There's, <laughs> there's actually a very good explanation for that. And give me a second. Okay, so the the, the very interesting thing about that number of 42, uh, for those that are listening, that this comes from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh. Uh, you know, <laughs> Good book. People... In, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the question is posed, you know, what is the meaning of life? And the answer to that is 42. Now, what's really cool about that is if you look at Japanese calligraphy, the, uh, if you put the four and the two over top of each other, it looks like a Japanese character, which is uh, the four is the Japanese word she, and the two looks like the word ni. So it's uh, she, ni, and mind you, I don't know. 
I don't speak Japanese, uh, or so math. yeah, 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 or math. Um, the the phrase uh, "shini" in in Japanese uh, loosely means uh, to live. So, uh, what is the meaning of the universe, or what what's the meaning of life? Um, is that's to the live. question, right? Yeah, it's to <laughs> the live. answer is forty two yes. to live. Yeah, uh, what is the answer to life? Well, the answer to life is to live. Uh, so yeah, there was a very awkward pause there. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that pause made like what you said the most weird diatribe I've ever. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like, well, I read this uh, thing in the Hitchhiker's Guide to Universe and then pause like, oh, thanks for making it weird. That's gonna be- <laughs> hey, it's what I do. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, the answer to that is the answer is forty two, but it's also from Japanese calligraphy, and it means uh, to live. So the uh, what is the meaning of life? Well, to live. Mm-hmm. So and Paul I know says to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Ooh, we just made that biblical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, sidewalk so, prophets. <laughs> so uh, so August, like yeah. So August, if you're listening, the meaning is life of life is to live. Mm-hmm. So you can thank the Japanese for that. All right. Now, uh, in all in all seriousness, we have we have like at least three good questions I want to get to. Um, uh, first one we'll look at is um, was asked or posed. That's asked or posed, whichever one's grammatically correct. Um, by uh-huh. Daniel, and his question is uh, he has a couple of questions, but we'll get to all of them. Um, can believers be unequally yoked with each other? For example, a Pentecostal with a Reformed Baptist. Um, this question is poorly worded, but I think you get the idea. Also, at what point is it prudent to say that work is interfering with attending church, therefore changing jobs? Uh, first question, can believers be unequally, excuse me, um, can, can believers be mm-hmm. unequally yoked? Um, yes, they absolutely can. Um, I know a, a lot of people, this is and again, I, Phil. You look like you might disagree with me on this. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm interested to hear your uh, opinion on this, though. Um, a, a lot of people have said that that whole unequally yoked thing is uh, that Paul's talking about deals more with a believer marrying um, and and un, a non-believer, a non, non whichever one's proper, an un, un non-believer. Uh, that way, uh, because I mean, there's there's going to be obvious issues with there. One will be living for Christ. One is, according to Paul, a slave to sin. Um, so, but for me, I had, and it, this is a little southern, um, but uh, I had a pastor once talk to me about this, and, and I kind of I kind of agree with him. Uh, the idea of also being unequally yoked could be like imagine so so a yoke is basically the thing that would go over to. Uh, two bulls or two cows to whatever mm-hmm. that would pull, you know, a plow in a field. And he said, well, he's like, imagine putting like a fully grown strong bull up with a, uh, a young new bull. Like that thing would just literally go in circles mm-hmm. because it was unequally yoked. Um, and so I think that there's situations where two believers can be unequally yoked because of personal conviction. Um, I know like I am a reformed uh, guy. I have, I wasn't always reformed, but I've kind of leaned that direction. Um, at one point in time, I was, uh, when I was younger, I was dating, um, a, a Pentecostal girl and we had very diff- different views. Um, and it was those different views that eventually, you know, led to our relationship, obviously not, you know, not working out and like, uh, one of them, which was, you know, salvation because of her very charismatic background. Um, a lot of, 
the responsibility of salvation was put on the individual and very little on God. And, you know, my Reformed Baptist view on salvation is not very similar to that. Um, so that caused very a, a lot of issues between us. Um, and then you can also look at it if you have a mature believer in a relationship with a, uh, you know, a, an immature believer, a, a young believer. Um, I, now, I'm not saying like, you know, if you're married, if you're married to somebody and they're uh, a number, a non-believer and then uh, they become a believer. I'm not saying like, don't obviously don't divorce them because, you know, they're not as mature as you are, but that could definitely cause issues. And you would be unequally yoked in that situation because they're still learning. And yeah, you know, you hope for to, to, to kind of bring them along and, and help them uh, mature as well, but you can definitely be unequally yoked um, as two believing people, you know, in a relationship. Even if you're both living for Christ, one's immature um, and one is mature, it could cause problems. And there would there definitely needs to be growth. And again, I'm not saying if you are unequally yoked, that means you need to just immediately leave them. But it's, you know, you, you all need to grow together. There needs to be some discipleship mm-hmm. done. And yeah, <clears throat> that's my opinion on it. See, my, see, my opinion is that uh, to an extent. Like yeah, you can be unequally yoked to an extent, and it's just all how you how it depends on how you define the terms, um, and I, you know, kind of going back to what you said, I think it deals with a lot about immaturity. Uh, my wife and I, we don't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. We don't. Uh, me and her have fundamental—I don't want to say fundamental—but we have pretty strong differences on you know some things that are you know pretty serious. For example, I'm of the opinion that uh, images of Christ are com- violations of the second commandment. She's not. Um, and I think that, that, I mean, that there's not an, I, there's not an issue with that. Mm-hmm. It's just how that is seen practically within the context of marriage. Um, for example, since I am of this conviction, I do not want to have nativity scenes in the house. Mm-hmm. She does. Um, but you know, Paul also says in Ephesians, you know, to submit wives, submit to your husbands and husbands of your wives, Christ loves the church. So my wife ultimately agrees that, and and it's her conviction that she will submit to my, you know, my, my position on this, but in, in doing so, I will do my best to love her as Christ loves the church. So we've decided mm-hmm. to put out nativity scenes and just take out the baby Christ as a compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we disagree on that. We disagree on, you know, some other, th- I mean, not like main theological issues. She's not a heretic or anything. But, you know, we disagree on some stuff and, but I think that level of maturity comes in as to, you know, how does, how is that going to be resolved in the context of marriage? Are you going to be resolved in, uh, you know, coming to a, a mutual understanding and to kind of uh, look at what the scripture says and the wife ultimately submits, or are you going to look at that as like, and is, is the husband going to do this in a loving manner to where, you know, he's not, you know, demanding her like submit or you're a terrible wife, but more of a, this is why I feel this way. And this is why I think as the husband, I should lead my mm-hmm. family in this direction. And is the wife going to say as your wife, I will submit to your, you know, your authority and I will lovingly submit in that regard, even though I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's gotta be a balance of you uh, I mean, you can disagree, but it's whether or not you're going to be mature enough to understand and come to a, 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 a compromise on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know people that are reformed who uh, are married to uh, Pentecostals. I know some that are charismatics who are married to uh, cessationists. 
I know Disby pre-mills that are married to historic uh, pre-millennial or amillennial or even post-millennial. Um, heck, I knew people that were uh, engaged and one was a Presbyterian and one was a, a Baptist. Um, at that point, there's kind of like, you know, some some squirrely things like, you know, what are you going to do with your kids when they get born? Are you going to baptize them or not? Uh, I don't necessarily think it's wise to enter into a relationship like that, but it depends on the level of the individual's maturity. Yeah. But I think this kind of determines. And, and I mean, that. you know, if we're talking strictly, strictly what the Bible said, and I, that's, that's a sentence that sounds like something bad's about to come out of my mouth, but bear with me. Mm-hmm. Like if we're talking strictly about what the Bible says, the, the passage he's referring to is second Corinthians six fourteen, 14, um, which it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership mm-hmm. has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship mm-hmm. has a lot with darkness. Now, all this is, you know, so specifically this phrase that Paul uses in the context of talking of believers with unbelievers. So we, we can't get past that. So Paul, that's what Paul is talking about with believers and unbelievers. Um, but there's the principles in scripture of like, you know, who, who we are around, you know, who we spend our time with of watching that maturity and making sure that others don't pull you down. Cause you know, scripture talks about not being a stumbling block, but being encouraging to one another. That's, that's kind of like my thing about being unequally yoked. It can cause issues. Those principles can be pulled from scripture, even though there isn't like a verse that, you know, line by line says that, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I mean, if we're going to look at it strictly in that context, uh, I think the better answer to the whole, can you be unequally yoked or can Christians be unequally yoked? Like, well, no, they can't be unequally yoked. Because the only time that passage is mentioned in the scripture, it's dealing with unbelievers. Uh, I, I think that there's wisdom in exercising uh, discernment when it comes to being married to a particular individual. Like if you have fundamentally dis, like fundamentally opposed theology, there's going to be issues, and it's not wise without mm-hmm. significant you know, conversations about that. And that so, was in that in the you know the example I gave of the, of the girl I dated it, it definitely wouldn't have worked out because again our views on salvation were very different like she believed she believed that's not a word she believed that a <laughs> believer which is you know I'm not going to get into this doctrine but like she ascribed to the doctrine that um, a believer could lose their salvation due to a sinful lifestyle if they were you know and I believe in the reformed doctrine of eternal security essentially the, the perseverance of the saints um mm-hmm. Um, and so that was two very different things. We talked about it a ton um, and not, neither one of us would you know, really move on the other. She felt confident in what she read in the scripture that it taught that. And I disagreed mm-hmm. adamantly. Um, so that, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, like that would have been a big issue because then it's the question like, oh, well, if you, oh, I just kicked one of my son's toys. So I apologize for the sound you guys are hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Having a toddler. Um, but, but like speaking of toddlers, you know, having children would be difficult because it, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what happens when it's like, you know, mommy and daddy, you know, can someone not be, can, can someone lose their salvation? Be like, oh boy. <laughs> it's like, well, your dad thinks yeah. this, your mom thinks this, you're going to be a really solid adult. Um, you mm-hmm. know, that's, so th- there is wisdom in it. Strictly speaking, that phrase unequally yoked that Paul uses. Yeah. He's talking about, um, unbelievers he says don't be unequally yoked with un- unbelievers he doesn't say anything about other believers but the principles are there in scripture where we can kind of see that it would be 
it would be wise. And, and, and even then, you know, husbands and wives are supposed to like build one another up. Um, like, you know, the, the scripture you were talking about um, out of first Corinthians, um, uh, husbands love your wives. Nope. That's in Ephesians. Uh, husband, <laughs> husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and wives submit to your husbands. You know, part of that extended command that uh, God through Paul gives to husbands is so that he could, uh, um, so the husband could present the wife as a, as holy and pleasing to the Lord. Like there's mm-hmm. this, there's this idea that in marriage, like, and, and this is the scary thing as a man, like I completely, I get why looking at a woman and saying like, Hey, scripture says that you should submit to your husband is a scary and borderline offensive thing to say, but it's also scary and offensive to say to a man, Hey, you're partially responsible for the spiritual state of your wife. When she comes before the Mm -hmm. father in heaven, that's terrifying. (laughs) Like not only do I have to deal with my own flesh and my own jacked up person, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also responsible for my wife in the state that she reaches heaven in. Like that's, that's scary. Um, so there's this building up that is supposed to take place in a marriage and you're constantly working with, and you're working on each other. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's this building thing. You're building upon her. She's building upon you. Um, so that when you both get to, to your heavenly father, you can say, look, I, what you gave me, the spouse that you gave me, um, it's kind of like that, that uh, mindset of like, uh, leave it better than you found it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's 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 kind of like I remember some of my football coaches used to do that. Like when we'd go like to visiting locker rooms, be like, "Now remember, gentlemen, you know, leave it better than you found it. So don't like take a dump in the visiting team's locker room. Like actually do do well with it." Um, which <laughs> I apologize. Um, if this is gonna be my last episode for a while, I'm gonna try a few jokes. Um, but but yeah, there, there's this building up that's supposed to take place. I've repeated that a mm-hmm. few times, but that's my point. Yeah, I'm sorry. Good question. <laughs> Um, his second question, if you want to get, unless you, there's, there's certain, is there anything else you want to say on that? No, not on that, but there is okay. a question that I do want to get to. Okay. Um, let's knock out the second half of his question. Then All we'll right. get to the, the one you want to do. Um, Daniel's second question was, um, also at what point is it prudent to say that work is interfering with attending church, therefore change jobs? Phil, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I'm going to take a very, 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 very hard stance on this. And I just want everyone to know that this does not reflect uh, Deuteronomy's opinion or position as a whole. This is solely my own. Um, If you are routinely missing church to the point that you uh, are missing it once a month, like because your job, like, okay, that's, that's fine. I can understand that. Like, um, stay in contact with your pastor, you know, reach out to him once a week, talk to him, make sure you can watch the sermons or something like that. Like still submit yourself to that authority. But if it gets to a point where it's like more than once a month and like you're constantly having to miss church, find another one, find another job. Like it's, it's not hard. Uh, if, if it's getting to the point where you have to neglect the fellowship because you have to get a paycheck, get another job. Um, I, I understand that there are people out there that have to work, um, the like over the road truckers or, you know, first responders. I get that. Uh, the church that I'm a pastor at, we have several people. We actually, we have a new couple that are just starting to come and, you know, it's looking like they're going to join who the husband's a fireman. And, you know, he's, uh, and at the previous church that I was at, uh, one of the deacons was a, was a fireman and he would be two weeks there, one week gone. 
but he was also doing a work of necessity. I mean, fires don't stop because it's the Sabbath. Uh, yeah. He had people had to put it out and he was doing it for the glory of God. Um, but, you know, over the road truckers, you know, food still has to be delivered. Supply still has to be delivered. These are things yeah. that are ne- necessary. Um, and he would listen. I mean, he was very, he's, I mean, he still is. He is super faithful. He's in contact with me or the senior pastor at least once a week. Uh, whenever he's in town, he comes, he's very faithful to come to church. Uh, he is, I mean, the guy reads anything that we send him. He's, you know, constantly involved. He's constantly, you know, checking in with people. I mean, this guy is connected to the church as you can be without being there. This guy is a super faithful member, but his job requires him to miss church sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, if your job is a job of necessity, that's fine. Like we get it. Bad guys still commit crimes on Sundays. Houses still catch on fire on Sundays. People still get sick on Sunday. If you're an emergency room doctor, okay. If you're a nurse, that's fine. If you are a first responder, we got it. If you're working at McDonald's, no. I mean, if you're you know a hard, working at a hardware store, if you're a plumber, like a toilet can wait an hour to get mm-hmm. unclogged. Like, you know, it's there's and like the job, the job that I had before um, I went to I moved back to college. It required me to be on call some Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, being on, like, if you're on call on some Sundays, like that's different. But if you are routinely having to miss church consistently, like more than once a month, then it's not a work of necessity. Find another line of employment or find another job that will work with your schedule. Yeah, for me, it's it's all about um, like necessities, you know, a, a big thing, because, you know, even Jesus, when he, you know, he's teaching on the Sabbath, you mm-hmm. know, he talks about like, uh, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it wrong and I'm going to get called a heretic. Um, but like, you know, if someone's ox falls in a ditch or you're going to dig it out, like and then that, that kind of makes sense for like the the, jo- the, the roles and jobs of necessity. Um but I mean, if, if yeah. we look at what scripture actually commands, it says, you know, very clearly, don't neglect the assembly. Um, and then also, since this is a man, Daniel, asking the question, um, the scripture commands, you know, men, fathers to lead their families in worship. Um, and if, and this is the thing, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. And th- that mm-hmm. point, he's going to make that point very clear. If you if you never attend church and you don't feel convicted about it, you might need to do a spiritual assessment um, mm-hmm. because that's a lack of evidence of the Holy Spirit and lack of conviction. But what are you leading your family to? And so that, that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. Like, it, 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 does your family see you? missing every now and then because of things that you have to do or things you need to do. Or like I, I worked a job that it was Monday through Friday. I, I used to work a job I don't anymore. I used to work a job that was Monday through Friday. So I, I was able to like never miss church, but every now and then, like every couple months, they would offer an overtime incentive for a Sunday. If you came and work Sunday, like uh, eight hours on a Sunday, you could make like um, automatic double time and like a $200 bonus. And so, like, missing every now and then for, for that, like, I don't see a problem in that. If you make it clear, like, this is just, you know, an, an occasional thing. But there's a difference between mm-hmm. occasional and habitual. Um, mm-hmm. and, pe- and people try to weasel their way out of that sometimes. Be like, oh, well, I, I didn't realize this was habitual. You know it's habitual. Don't do that lying thing where you're like, oh, well, I didn't realize it. You know it. You're just, mm-hmm. you feel bad about it and you don't want to get away with it. And I'm not saying that's you, Daniel. I'm just saying there are people like that. Um, yeah. 
but that, that's 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 my view on it. Lead, you you should be leading your family, even if your family right now is just you and the future wife you're praying for. <laughs> you should be preparing to lead. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Philip, what question did you want to get to? My next question comes from Eric, and the question is: What passage of the Bible do you wrestle with the most? Uh, it's funny. It's funny that that actually gets brought up because uh, uh, there's actually a passage that uh, quite literally everyone on pastoral staff of my church is wrestling with right now. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, my senior pastor, uh, the music minister, and uh, one of, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, one of the interns all went to G3. And when they were there, you know, you got three guys that are sarcastic. They were cutting up and they get back and the pastor feels like super convicted over like just the way that they were joking. I mean, like these, these are very godly men. It wasn't like anything that was, you know, like sexual or disgusting in nature. Uh, they, I mean, it was just like, just sarcasm. And like I said, these, these, these men are very, very godly men. They would never say anything inappropriate, mm -hmm. but you know, you get guys around, you know, uh, they get sarcastic and it's never like, it's not like gross or anything. It's just, you know, sarcastic. Well, my pastor felt like super convicted about it. So he read an article on the gospel coalition and he sent it to us. This was on Saturday. Uh, and he said, Hey, read this for staff meeting tomorrow. I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm super sarcastic. My pastor, same way. Um, music minister, same way. One of the interns is the exact same way. The other intern, not so much. Uh, he's just like this really nice kid, uh, very happy, very joyous, and he's surrounded by four guys that are super sarcastic. He mm -hmm. tries, but he's just he's just not good at it. Um, so we read it, and you know we discussed the article, and I mean it was it was an okay article, but I, I disagreed with uh, the premise of it, and you know, we we kind of discussed it, and then uh, you know anytime we read a verse because, you know, we read the verse and then anytime something like that happens, like the first thought of like any theolo theology nerd is, well, what does the Greek say? Mm -hmm. And this verse is Ephesians five and it's like three through four or three and four. Uh, and it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you uh, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So our question was in this in this meeting, um, particularly in verse four, like, OK, what constitutes as um, foolish talk and crude joking? Mm hmm. And, you know, we looked at the, uh, we, we just kind of did a quick word study of what, you know, the word, the word for foolish talk or crude joking was. And the word just meant sarcasm uh, or coarse jesting, which, and all of us were kind of like, oh my goodness, like that is, that is us. Like that is all of us. We are all sarcastic. So, you know, we started checking out commentaries and then for the last, but the thing is like this, this, these three words. Uh, for filthiness, uh, foolish talk, and coarse jesting, um, or uh, crude joking, this is the only place within the New Testament that these words are used. So, like, uh, like looking at context, or even like checking out what other passages. Oh, hold on, it can't pick you up. You're fine. <laughs> uh, sorry, my wife came down here and she's going to get something to drink. So, uh, 
she's trying to be all quiet and everything so she's just kind of tiptoeing so but anyways back to what i was saying uh i'm gonna leave that in i think i think i might leave that in (laughs) go for it uh this is (laughs) this passage is the only place in the entire bible that these three words are used Mm -hmm. so so uh it's really hard to look at the rest of the new Testament to see if like these words, what they mean in other contexts. So we looked at uh, secular literature and like it's used in these ways. And, but the thing is like, there's no set consensus on what this, what constitutes as crude joking. Uh, some people believe that it is um, the, the context of this passage dealing with sexual immorality and covetousness uh, and impurity that this passage deals with, you know, sexual, sexual immorality. Uh, and some people think that it just means sarcasm. Like there's no set consensus on this. Uh, I've landed on one side, my pastor landed on the other. Um, I know the music ministers kind of landed somewhere in between. Um, and so we, we, I mean, we have been wrestling with this every, uh, it's funny because like our offices are right. Like my office is right across from my pastor's office. So, you know, we'll be in there and I'll be working on, you know, getting stuff ready for camp or looking at, you know, VBS curriculum. And I'm, I'm going through all that stuff this week. And next thing you know, I hear is, so Calvin says on this passage that it means this. And so I'll go and pull out my commentary and it's like, well, this guy says this, like, well, this guy says that this Greek word means this. I mean, it's constant. Like we are struggling because, because yeah. I mean, we're all sarcastic. Like that's, that's just who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly is, think like, it's it, hard in the 21st century to survive ministry and not be a little sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's uh, literally like PR a thousand percent of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. To put it. So the, I mean, we are, <laughs> so like we are, all of us are sarcastic, but at the same time, we, we want to glorify God in everything that we do. And our sarcasm isn't like, we're not going around like saying, you know, inappropriate things, but it's just kind of like uh, just stuff like, uh, my pastor will come in and ask me for a book and I won't have it. And he was like, well, you need to go get this. Any true minister will have this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's why they're senior pastor. And I'm just a family pastor, like just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, so we, we want to be faithful for what the text says, but at the same time, like, man, we're struggling with this because like, man, I don't want to change. Like no one wants to change, but at the same time, like we want to be faithful to what the text says. Mm-hmm. So we're struggling. I mean, we're struggling yeah. with this dude. Mine is very, very heavy. And I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, Mine's actually about uh, Jephthah's daughter out of uh, Judges chapter 11. Okay. Um, This is not a... (laughs) Is this a story that you're, like, familiar with, Philip? I mean, I know you're familiar with the Bible, but... Essentially, and for our listeners, because I mean, it's the, the story can be found at the tail end of Judges um, chapter 11. Um, but basically, uh, Jephthah is a is a judge. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's uh, he's fighting against the Ammonites to make a very story, very simple. And he basically makes a vow to God and he says to God, you know, God, if you'll deliver the Ammonites into my hands, if you'll let me defeat them, defeat them. Um, the first thing that walks through my door, I will offer it up as a burnt offering to you. Um, so in, let me check this because, because I, because I want to be, I want to be sure. Um, because I looked this up a second ago to make sure the reference was right. Uh, um, 
now we'll no, it's right. It's, yeah. the, it's so, the end of the judges. Yeah. Um, but no, okay. So this is what I was wanting to look up. Uh, Jephthah makes that, uh, Jephthah makes that vow. God never actually responds to him. Um, it, it, like the, the, the scriptures literally say, um, it says, you know, if you will give me the Ammonites into, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to, to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. End of vow. Verse 32. Mm-hmm. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against him and the Lord gave them mm-hmm. in his hand. So God never says, okay, you know what I mean? At least as far as the scriptures mm-hmm. tell us, we don't know what God's response was, but what the scriptures do tell us is that God didn't respond. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, to make a long story short, Jephthah uh, does that. He goes and, you know, God defeats the Ammonites through him. Um, and Jephthah returns home. And the first thing through his door is his daughter. And so Jephthah is, you know, immediately just overcome with grief. You know, it says, you know, he tears his robes. Um, and he basically says, God, don't do this. You know, don't make me do this. But the, the daughter in obedience basically asking, well, what have you done? And it's just a very difficult part of scripture. I actually had... Uh, one of my previous pastors preach on this passage uh, at school. He used this passage for his uh, senior chapel, <laughs> by the way, talk about picking a, a hard one to preach. Um, and yeah. In his emphasis. Do I know, do I know this guy? Uh, I don't believe so. Um, he's because okay. he graduated like before I even started. Um, but uh, oh, okay. And, and the purpose, like he, kind of his push using this scripture was, you know, what we say to God, like, you know, if we say, God, I'll do this, God, I'll do that. Like that's serious. Like God takes that stuff seriously. Um, and, and so for me, this is a, a scripture that I, I haven't spent a ton of t- time studying. I'll, I'm, I'll admit that, but it's one that every time I think about it, I'm like, that's rough because Jephthah goes on and he, he sacrifices his daughter as a burnt offering. And mm. the thing is, is God never in, in nowhere in the old, and or new testament does god require um a a human offering i know you have the story of of uh, isaac but god provided an offering in a ram that that wasn't isaac um so but god never actually you know coordinates a, a human sacrifice um so that for me that's the one i did i struggle with a lot because i love the old testament i love digging into it um mm-hmm. I, I went through the story of Gideon tonight with um, the, t- the teenage boys at our class that, and I believe the old Testament is beautiful because it shows God inter- interacting with his people. Um, so it, it teaches it, mm-hmm. it, the old Testament teaches a, a ton about how God mm-hmm. does interact with his people. And that that's, that's very applicable for us as you know new Testament believers. But this is one that I've always struggled with to, to find because God is silent in so much of the story of Jephthah's vow, mm-hmm. like it's one of those things that I, I, I would be like, you know, God, please just add some scripture to Judges 11. <laughs> I want to know mm-hmm. what, you know, you were thinking in this moment. Um, but that's some personification in God that I'll never get um, because he's far above us. But but that's mine. Now. Now, well, here's my question for you. Do you think that God's silence in that could be a result of uh, kind of God allowing Jephthah to realize the severity of his sin? It could be. It very well could be. Like I said, this is this is a passage mm-hmm. that I, I struggle with. I, I don't mm-hmm. have a hard line stance on because I've read a few different views on it, and I, I've never come to one that I'm like 100% comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is one that I just 
I don't know, man. I don't know. This is just a hard mm-hmm. part of scripture that in my 31 years of life, I don't understand yet. And I, mm-hmm. I, I hope that in my earthly lifetime, I come to understand it. Um, but I may not, but that's a hard one. Yeah. It is. It, it really is, man. <laughs> like people ask me, uh, like people have asked me before, like, Oh, you love the new, the old Testament. Well, um, what, what about the, the genocide and God condoning slavery and stuff like that? It was like, it's like, Oh, I can context the crap out of that. And I'm fine with it. Um, because I've studied mm-hmm. old Testament history, but this one, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, dude, it sucks. I mean, it's because there's a lot of places in that, uh, in, in scripture that are like that. Like another one, Judges, like this Judges is just a book that is so full of like the, of the just good examples of human depravity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Judges 19. I mean, if we're going to look at another passage of what I struggle with is, you know, Judges 19, uh, kind of just the end of Judges, you know, when it comes to the, uh, to the rape and murder of that girl, like that. Yeah that 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 that's just it just blows my mind yeah uh, but also like if you look at because one of the interesting things that i've learned uh about judges um and, and ruth is that judges and ruth were uh originally like two one book yeah so if, if you look at you know the judge the end of judges or if you look at just kind of the whole context of the book of judges in the in, in understanding that ruth was kind of like like a part of that like it just it just kind of sets ruth up to be so much more like uh beautiful beautiful like a, just beautiful imagery to the goodness of god because you've got you know judges ends with this girl who's raped who's murdered who's cut up into 12 pieces and sent to the you know all over the country and then a mm-hmm. massive war breaks out and then immediately like we see ruth is ruth takes place in this setting like this mm-hmm. is when ruth takes place there's a lot um, of evil going on. And so like, Oh, it's, it's so bad. That's the thing. Like the, the book of judges edges, edges, not a word, adds so much context to Ruth that you set like you, you see it. Like whenever at the beginning of Ruth, when her, uh, her husband is dead, like she's in mm-hmm. a lot of like real tangible danger in that part yeah. of the world. Um, so yeah. for, for God to show her so much grace and to find Boaz, um, and for mm-hmm. Boaz to be a man of God, a man who uh, was at least somewhat full of God's grace, like that is a huge, mm-hmm. like God showing favor to whom he shows favor. Like this is just, yeah, it, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. The book of Judges is one of the Show most me. interesting books. Sorry, I, I, I'll get off this because I could talk about the Old that's, Testament that's... forever. But like the book of Judges, <laughs> I, I should have been Jewish. Like it, <laughs> it's, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But like the book of Judges is one of the most interesting books in the in the Bible to me. Uh, judges and, and and like Genesis, Exodus, and Judges are probably because I love stories. Um, they're probably the, the three most interesting books to me and Esther. Um, but like so in the the, the the cyclical nature of man of of in the book of Judges is the perfect picture of like, you know, when Paul talks about how man returns uh, to his sin, like a dog returns to vomit, it always makes me think of the book of judges Mm -hmm. just because it's the way of we worship God. We turn to Baal and other false gods. Uh, God sends judgment. God, please save us. God sends a judge to save them. Yeah. We're going to worship God. We're worshiping God. Oh, look that God over there. Let's sleep Mm -hmm. with little boys. We're going to start worshiping him again. And like, that's literally the cyclical nature Mm -hmm. of what man did in the book of judges. And it's depressing. It's, 
really harsh, but it's also interesting, just to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Shall we move on to our final question? Absolutely, buddy. All right, let's see. I just had it pulled up, and then (laughs) (laughs) I just had it pulled up, and then my father-in-law sent a message, and I opened it, and then now I got to go back to it. Uh, Here we go. Oh, we've got a lot more comments. Mm -hmm. We might have some more questions that are good. I I, I can't do this all night, but yeah. uh, So the next question is: How do you? This comes from Chad. uh, How do you share Jesus with? (laughs) How do you share Jesus with someone? in my case, coworkers that clearly don't trust and follow Jesus, but say they believe in him and he knows them yet. They brag about multiple sexual relationships among other worldly talk. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit harsher of a stance on this. Uh, oh, you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, just dude, be bold, be bold about it. Like tell them like, if they're like, Oh, I love Jesus. Like, no, you don't. You like the idea of Jesus. You like the fact that he'll forgive you for your sins. You're not saved. Just repent of your sins. If you were saved, you would feel bad about all the sins that you do. Mm-hmm. Like, just just cut the crap. Just get right down to it. Call him a heretic. I mean, not call him a heretic, but like be loving. Like, be like, well, if you were saved and if you did know Jesus, this is this is what the Bible says about these things. And like, you, you, you got to ask yourself, if you're not being like convicted about this sin, what the Bible clearly calls sin, like, are, are, do, do you have the Holy Spirit to convict you? Like if these people, I mean, there's too much at risk. These people's salvation is at hand or is, is in the balance. Like just be faithful. This, you can't, you can't be cavalier and casual about it. Like, well, Jesus loves you. Like, well, yeah, Jesus loves me. He loves everybody. Red and yellow, black and white. I am precious in his sight. Nice. You just got to get down to what the Bible says. Like if they start talking about sexual relationships, be like, well, you know what the Bible says about that. Right. And if they are a Christian, they'll, they'll they have no problem just you know discussing that and then just ask him be like you know what the bible says about that right the bible says that this is sin mm-hmm. and then right there like boom that opens up your way to like share the gospel with them okay don't go in guns blazing like you're a heretic you're going to hell but just say like well the bible says this about that like always go always 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 go back to the scriptures mm-hmm. so uh boys and girls if you if, you, if everyone would uh, let's turn in our Bibles to First John chapter two, <laughs> um, and I'm going to read the first six verses of First John chapter two um, because this was, I know six oh, is a lot because you have a 15 second attention span. Um, my little children, I am writing <laughs> so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Um, I'm reformed, but I do love that verse. Uh, I was going to say, by how's, this, that, how's that make you feel there, Calvin? <laughs> uh, intent, extent. Um, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Um, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which we are walked so these people that you're talking about if we're just going to be down to brass tacks not sugarcoating it they are either a they do not know him at all they are lying their claim to know christ is a bold-faced 
lie. But they may believe it, but it is a lie because of a lifetime of deception. Maybe it's because, like in our part of the world, a lot of people are like this because they grew up in the Bible Belt, um, that they're automatically Christian because their granny was. Um, or they, uh, <laughs> they're the. If, if they're not lying, they're idol worshipers and the Jesus that they claim to know is not the biblical Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the truth of it. That's not the practical of what to do, but that's the truth of the situation you're in. Um, if you if you accept that truth and realize it going forward, that will inform your pragmatic approach, um, which is to basically, like Philip said, to be faithful in front of them. They the Christ, Living a Christian life in front of a non-Christian will show can and will show them that they are not who they claim to be because if they claim to be a Christian and you claim to be a Christian and you live very differently from them, even if they never vocalize it to you, they're going to look at you and say, he lives differently than I do. Even though we claim the same thing. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Now, and obviously continue with, you know, continue with your, your discipleship like hey man you know you say you believe this but what about this but what about this but what if this constantly point them back to scripture because if because if, if you just look at someone and say you're living wrong because i say so they can hate you for that super duper easy and they can blame you and be like well it's that it's chad's fault blah 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 chad's a bigot chad hates me this that and the other but if you point say like hey man what about scripture when it says this like you you, you mm-hmm. say this that and the other and you t- the way you talk about women or the, if it's a woman the way you talk about men you know, blah, 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 blah. Be like, okay, well, what about when scripture says this? Make them have an issue with scripture. Make them, at least in their own mind, disagree with scripture because then they're going to have to examine. If they have a problem with scripture, that will lead them to realizing, maybe I'm really not what I claim to be. Mm -hmm. And so, because that's the thing, like, because people can have a problem with another person and let that ride for their entire life. You know what I mean? Be yes. like, oh, well, Chad mm-hmm. just doesn't like me. And never think twice about it and go on about their merry way. But if you can point mm-hmm. them to Scripture and make them have a conflict with Scripture, they're mm-hmm. going to be in direct conflict with God's Word, and that mm-hmm. is going to make them – they're at least going to think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if they come to the point where they reject what Scripture says and reject God's Word – that that's heartbreaking, but that's what people who are slaves to their sin do. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's that's the pragmatic. That's like doctrinally, you have to realize where they're actually at. That these if, if, yeah. if people are claim Christ but live so far outside of His will. And again, this is I'm not going to get into a diatribe about you know can a believer sin? Absolutely, a believer can. Scripture talks about it. Blah 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 blah. But there's a difference between a believer sinning and someone who lives and, you know, regales in their sin claiming to be a believer. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm proud of myself for using the word regale. Um, Not a hundred percent positive. I used it correctly, but I like the word. So. Well, I'll Uh, say you use it correctly. It all matters. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I only, I I really only see other, again, you know, we're recording this at, 10 o'clock right now um so mm-hmm. there'll probably be more comments that get on there that don't get answered um but the last the last one is a hornet's nest i might poke a little bit how do you feel about the impact of covid on the church um i've had covid twice it absolutely sucks it's real <laughs> um 
I think in, in my area where I live, COVID has been a great excuse for the cultural mm-hmm. Christians to leave church forever. That is exactly what I was going to say. Because <laughs> there is a been great people, excuse. Yeah, because there are so many people that I have seen that because of COVID, and, and, and listen, thing, church is shutting down for COVID safety. I get that. Like, like our church is like, you know, again, our church is almost kind of like a replant. It's very small. We have a lot of elderly members. We canceled uh, one Sunday and a couple Wednesday nights ago just because uh, um, just because of COVID going through. I mean, I, as the worship leader, got COVID. Um, <clears throat> a couple other like literally 50 percent of our Sunday school teachers were out because of COVID. Um, so like we canceled like there's there's hey, there's a safety thing. We don't want an elderly mm-hmm. member of our church to get it and die. Not a super yeah. fan of the government saying you can't gather, but that's the Ron Swanson in me. Um, but <laughs> w- what I've really seen is. Well, is what I said. A lot of people, because of the church closings, whenever churches closed last year um, across the country for COVID for a while, uh, the people who were always kind of wishy-washy, show up every now and then, cultural Christians, you know, that we've, we have a previous episode about you should listen to, those people use that as an excuse to not come, and they a lot of them haven't darkened the door since then. Um, so, yeah. That's that's the to me that's the the, the biggest impact of COVID is that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of chaff <laughs> has got out of the wheat field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was that's what I, exactly what I was fixing to say. Uh, it's been a great excuse for people that really don't care about church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like, there's been some. I mean, it's gonna sound really weird, uh, but there's been some good that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds bad, like odd to say, but there has been some good about that, or like has come out of it. Uh, the average church member now now knows what a shut in feels like, mm-hmm. so they are more sympathetic to reaching out to the shut ins of the church. That's an amazing thing. I mean, these are people that are still part of the body of Christ; they just can't physically get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been some good that's come out of it. People realize that. Uh, there are people in the church that can't leave, and now they, you know, they know what they feel like. But and and we were able to like more churches are taking on a a, a more uh, active role, and as far as it comes to you know live streaming and you know online options and stuff like that. I mean, heck, we've had two people come to our church and that are you know looking to join because they found our church on Facebook because mm-hmm. they found a live stream option. Yep. Uh, they were able to check it out before they got here. They were able to hear the sermons. They were able to find out like, okay, is this church theologically sound? Do they preach the gospel? How do they preach? Are they expositional? Are they topical? They were able to find out some of these questions and they watched a few sermons before they even came. Um, but with the good also comes the bad. And that's the fact that people are using this as an excuse to get out of church because quite honestly, they don't like God. They would rather mm-hmm. stay in Sunday night and stay out Saturday uh, night and stay in Sunday morning as opposed to gather with a body of believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that like if you're if that's if that's you just say you don't like God, say that you would rather satisfy your flesh than gather with the body of Christ, because that's what you're doing. You may not think that's what it is, but you're neglecting the fellowship of the saints because you want to satisfy your own flesh. You are mm-hmm. placing yourself above the commands of God. Just say you hate God and move on. Yep. Yep. Buddy, I think that's all we have for questions. Um, 
would you Thanks anything so. you want to say is final send off for a little bit i hate saying final send off because it sounds like we're never coming back but we are just yeah. for our indefinite hiatus before we go on that is there anything else you'd mm-hmm. like to say I oh wait I, guys uh, uh, yeah f- go ahead sorry i'm not gonna interrupt you no nah, that's that's it i love you guys thank you for making this fun yeah uh and i can't wait to get back but you guys aren't as important to me as my family and my church family are. So <laughs> yeah, for sorry. real, it's, it's been so cool seeing like the numbers grow and like, especially over our last four or five episodes that we've recorded, the numbers did jump. So that was the one thing mm-hmm. kind of making me like, Oh man, do I really want to quit? Cause like we're mm-hmm. seeing an, an exponential growth. And so it, it's cool. It, it, it's cool to see that. It's also terrifying to think that that many people, you know, a few thousand people, have listened to the episodes and stuff like that. So I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like if I'm an idiot, that many more people in the, cause my, my dad, um, growing up, my dad had this saying, uh, it's better to be, th- uh, silent and thought of fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Confirm it. Um, yeah. So I was always in my mind, like, Hey, if I don't know something, I'm just going to be quiet. So now mm-hmm. I realize, like, I look at the total number of listens for the podcast and I'm like, Oh, if I'm a fool, that many people know I am now. <laughs> and so yep. it's, it's a little terrifying. Um, but, but no, it, it really has been cool. And just to, to see people like talk back to us, like it, it, it's fun. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like there's just things I, I've, I've got to prioritize. I've got to prioritize my personal ministry, the ministry I can do through my new career and the ministry to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if I'm able to be a better steward of my time in the coming months, you know, this will come back consistently. If not, this mm-hmm. will be just a, you know, whenever Phil and I are feeling froggy and we're, we're at least going to do it, um, until Philip gets his after Philip gets his doctor degree. Cause if I don't call him Dr. Phil, at least on one podcast, um, I'll have missed a great opportunity in my life. <laughs> and the, speaking of which fans of like, not just a podcast, but Deuteronomy, don't you guys think for a second that we're not thinking ahead to Dr. Phil stuff. It's um, I'm already going to go ahead and buy bald cap for him. So like when he graduates, he can genuinely like look like Dr. Phil. Yes. Absolutely. Like, I, all right. So I'll say this. I, w- I want to go for my doctorate because I love the study of theology. I, I have a deep love for theology. I, I love defending uh, God's word. That's part of the reason why uh, my, my focus that I'm looking at is, is in theology and apologetics, uh, specifically uh, how uh, a proper understanding of theology leads to a, a better defense of the faith. Um mm-hmm. So like like ninety nine percent of why I'm going for a doctorate has to do with that. There's one percent in me because I just want to go back to my old school and and make people call me Doctor Phil. <laughs> like uh, all right, so so the old the dean when I was there he was the dean of students. Now he's a full time uh, professor of theology. He actually wrote the foreword for Essentials. He's uh, one of my mentors. He's a godly man. I call this guy often. I I, I love him dearly. Who was uh, it? But I can't uh, Charlie. Remember. Uh, okay, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, if you don't think I'm going to make him call me Doctor Phil, you're wrong. I'm gonna. I'm like I look. I look up to this guy more so than anything. But I'm gonna make this guy call me Doctor Phil. Every well, t- I mean, every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, that's Doctor. When we Phil. were there, we had a professor, and, and honestly, I understand him. Like for a split <laughs> second, I thought it was kind of a little like, well, hmm. but I get it when. 
uh, it was Dr. John said, mm-hmm. uh, said like, it was like, yeah, if I'm in class, I want to be called Dr. John or Dr. Insert his surname. He's like, mm-hmm. I worked for it. I earned it. <laughs> so yeah. like, I yeah. be called um, so mm-hmm. I, I get it, man. I, I do mm-hmm. like it, it. Don't, you know, for a second think if, if, if I ever were to get my doctorate to think that people wouldn't, I'd want people to call me Dr. Surname. Um, I, I, I would. Dr. Surname. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say my surname out loud, um, but that just makes me think of uh, I'm a super white person moment for a second. But uh, the episode of Friends where Ross is throwing like his little house party and he's mm-hmm. doing that like, hello, my name is. And he writes out like Ross Geller and then he says, oh, Dr. Geller. And he's like, no, Dr. Ross Geller. <laughs> anyway. White yeah, that'll still, be me. White people still think that show's funny. I don't care what anyone says. All right, guys. Well, for real, don't you are a hipster that doesn't want to admit that he's a hipster. Um, all right, no, guys. No, <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, you're gonna. I'm, I'm defending myself. If we're, <laughs> if we're gonna be going off on indefinite hiatus, hiatus. I'm defending myself. Uh, I will be the first to admit I love The Office. I love Parks and Rec. I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, when I was in Ohio, I even entered a craft beer phase myself. Uh, I, I Friends isn't funny. It's not. It's it's dumb. It is so dumb. Call me a hipster all you want. It's the dumbest show in the history of television. Dumb humor can be funny. No, it can't. No, there, there's a difference yes, between can. dumb humor. There's a difference between dumb humor and just being stupid. Uh, Seinfeld, dumb humor, hilarious. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, dumb humor, hilarious. Friends is just dumb. There's no humor. It's stupid. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll disagree with you. I, I genuinely enjoy it. I, I genuinely enjoy it. Um, not enough to fight about it with the, on people on the internet. I just <laughs> go ahead and I'm going to get out in front of that. I don't care enough. Um, but no, guys, for real, thank you all so much for listening. We look forward to whenever our next episode is. Um, we're still, I guess, technically sponsored by Audible. Um, please check them out. AudibleTrial.com slash DudeCast. Uh, they are it's an awesome story. I, I, I genuinely, I'm not lying. Yeah. I use Audible. I listen to it at work. It's awesome. Please check them out. AudibleTrial.com slash DudeCast. Um, but until then, we do love you guys. And uh, thanks for listening to the DudeCast.